I have absolutely nothing to lose right now. Um, and I was just literally bought into my process, my pre-pitch routine, breathing, and I didn't see any of the external things. Like I'm 18 years old, biggest at bat of my life on the biggest stage. And I felt my most comfortable, which is weird. Right. And I hit a double. And it was like a really long at bat, like eight pitch at bat double. Welcome to the Never Stop Getting Better podcast powered by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are a one size fits all helmet cover that help produce impact for your players during practice. Coach Perry is a huge proponent of Guardian Caps after using them at Pearl High School. And it was one of the first football items he purchased when taking the job at Nick. Caps are mandated by the NFL for O-line, D-line, linebackers, tight ends, and running backs. And utilized by over 270 colleges, over 3,000 high schools, and over 600 youth programs across the country. As helmets become more and more expensive, the Guardian Caps also do a great job of protecting your helmet investment. See the link in our show notes for more information on Guardian Caps. In each episode, John takes you on a journey of growth, learning, and endless improvement. Whether you're an athlete, coach, or someone simply just striving to get better, this podcast is for you. Now, here's your host, John Perry. All right, welcome to the show. My guest um, today is going to be somebody that I think you're really going to love. It's one Ellie Cooper. Ellie Cooper is the Florida State University Director of Mental Performance and Player Development, which is awesome. Um, there was an assistant coach at Florida State at one point in time made the statement that this is the best leader to come through their program. She played softball there from 2014 to 2017. Then she was a student assistant in 2018 when they won the national championship. She was all ACC two times. In her four seasons, she won four ACC championships, reached the NCAA Super Regionals four times, and two trips to the College World Series. So um, that's a pretty good list of things that you've done. And not to mention, I know you're really young on top of that. So thank you for taking the time to be on the Never Stop Getting Better podcast. I can't wait for us to talk, though, but thank you for being here. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited that you reached out. I know we've touched base before just through connections, Dr. Gilbert, Brian Kane. So super cool when things like circle back around and I've gone through like a lot of a journey since then, but that's a pretty good introduction. I'm actually impressed because you asked me nothing about myself. So I was like, oh, here we go. Love that. Well, I'm trying to do this right. So I did like I've Googled and, you know, obviously we've talked before. So I want to, I want to halfway be informed the way Ellie and I met was actually sitting in a class at Montclair State in a Dr. Gilbert class, you know, so we kind of met both trying to sit in Dr. Gilbert's class and learn and get better. And then, you know, then I asked her to speak to our team uh, via Zoom. She spoke to the ladies basketball team. And, you know, because the when she was introduced to me, she was introduced to me as the best leader to ever come through the Florida State softball program, which is a mouthful. Now, let me ask you this, because we're going to talk mental performance and we're going to talk leadership. Do you remember what you talked to those two groups about? I honestly think so. Dr. Gilbert heard that as well. And he was like, okay, I want you to talk to my class about how to be an exceptional leader. So him just asking me that question made me reflect on like, okay, I never really thought about, I've always been into leadership and like studied leadership and been super interested in just growing as a leader and learning from mentors. Um, and then obviously like my leader was Lonnie Alameda, who's still our 
um, head softball coach who's getting inducted into the hall of fame this year. Um, she was just someone who I really looked up to and like exemplifies everything that a leader is. Um, so I definitely had really good role models in that, but also just like always curious, but I never really sat back and reflected on like, Oh, like what did make me a good leader? Like, what did I do? What did I focus on? What didn't I do? So from that, I kind of made like a PowerPoint on like how to be a good team captain. And I think that's what I talked to your team about. Cause you heard me talk about that. It is. And, and, you know, without, you don't have to, you know, spill the whole PowerPoint, but you know, what were the skills, what were some of the best skills that you possess to make one believe you are such a good leader or what makes a good leader today? You know, like what are some of those skills that that you would say? Ooh, I mean, thinking back on that PowerPoint, I'm trying to think of Well, I think number one is lead yourself first. So I think before anyone can think about being a leader, um, you have to be one, you have to, you have to live the standard yourself. So whatever the standard that your coaching staff or organization, whatever it may be, business gives you, you have to live that standard, but not just like live it, you have to give like a little bit extra effort. So I definitely talked about extra effort a lot. And I do believe that it's just like giving a little bit more in all areas in the classroom, in the weight room, um, on the softball field, on whatever field court you, whatever arena you play in is just living above, above the line, um, and setting the tone in that. So I'm holding myself accountable to that. Um, I want to be the strongest one on the team. I want to be the most fit on the team. I want to be the one on the team that works the hardest. I might not be the most talented. I might not produce the most, but I'm going to be all of those things. So then I have the ability to hold my teammates accountable. Um, it's, it's really tough to hold people accountable when you you're not doing it yourself. And also leading yourself first, you gain a lot of confidence in who you are and what you do. So then you're not so worried about being judged when you do hold people accountable because you know, you're doing it yourself. I think that's where um, good leaders hold people accountable and they have the courage to do so. But on the front end of that, you have to have your stuff together and live, um, live the standard, whatever that may be. So I think that might be like two things in one, Um, my ability to communicate with a diverse group of people. So intentionally, trying to develop relationships with my teammates and even my, my players now, like off of the softball field. Um, No, you don't have to be the best of friends by any means. Um, But you build trust through connection and communication. So um, I think building trust is a really, really big part of leadership in whatever arena that you're in and building trust takes a lot of time um, and it takes a lot of intention so creating that connection and really taking the time to get my get to know my teammates as people um, so that I know what they need from me as a leader as far as their communication needs, um, because everyone's different. You can't approach everyone the same. And that's something I definitely had to learn through my leadership career is like you can't approach everyone the same. And just because people just because you think one way and you can accept words, criticism, accountability one way doesn't mean another person can do that the same. Um, and again, that's a lot of time and intention and developing connection. Sure. So, well, yeah. you know, what I, what I 
got because I was kind of taking notes as you went. Number one, be extreme. Do more than everybody else. You know, like mm-hmm. hit more, throw more, catch more, read more, study more. You know, be extreme. Mm-hmm. Communication probably one of the most underused, undervalued, skilled in the world. Right, like got to be able to communicate with all types of people, not just the ones that are like you, but the ones that are not like you. Right. Um, build trust, extremely important, and live the standard. In other words, you know, you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. All right, let me ask you this. When you were a softball player, and I, I know, like, I have a I have a kid on our uh, football team that is the male version, okay, of Ellie Cooper. Like, I got, I got it. Like, he does more. He works harder. You know, like, he every – did you ever get – you know, like kickback from teammates, you know, like you're, you're a do-gooder, you know, like you're a, you know, like, did you ever run into people in the program? If you were, you know, probably not so much when you were older, but let's say you were a freshman or a sophomore and you were trying to, you know, you were trying to be extreme, you know, did you ever run into to kickback from older players or anything like that? Yeah, honestly, for sure. I think um, there's always, my my career was a little bit different in that I think that um we were really starting to build the culture when I got there like there's a lot of people that came before me that started to build the culture but um I definitely knew that there was like some people that were doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing and I knew I shouldn't have like necessarily followed that path but then you're worried about the judgment of like doing other things. So I just think the young version of me and just being in the program from the start is like you, I I really did take the time though, to just sit back and learn. Um, So I didn't try to like, I like head down, work hard and learn. Um, And again, like building connection with upperclassmen and trust and doing things like that. But yeah, for sure. I think there's always going to be judgment in some capacity, but it's like, if you're judging me for doing things the right way, I would say that's, a you thing. Um, there might be some internal battle that you're having with yourself and you know, you should probably be working harder, but you're not. Um, so I think that's, it's kind of on the other person at that point. And if everyone's going to get judged in their life and if you stay true to who you are and you know what you're doing is right, then it just is what it is. No doubt. Uh, um, great answer. Okay. Mental performance. When were you introduced to it? You know, because it's something that's relatively new, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. not everybody's not doing it. You know, like there are programs that I know, you know, in the state I'm in right now, like major universities that aren't using mental performance to help them be better. You know, like what was your introduction to that? You know, and as a player, you know, were you using it? Did you start learning it? Did you need it? Like what was the what was your relationship with mental performance early on as a player? (laughs) This is a funny story. So this is just how my whole journey started. We'll just take it back. So I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, pretty highly recruited athlete. Um, What school? Rockwood Summit. Okay. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, So pretty highly recruited, got to Florida State. I had a really good fall. And to be honest with you, nothing was really hard for me. I got in there, passed the conditioning test, flying colors. I was better than some of the upperclassmen at it. Weight room was tough, but it was like, I enjoyed it. Like I worked out my whole life. Like it was, it was cool for me. Um, And then obviously learning softball was hard and there was a lot going on, but it wasn't like, I never entered this space of like, I am absolutely so overwhelmed. What the heck am I doing? 
So I earned my way in the starting lineup. Um, I grew up a third baseman shortstop. I actually started our first game at first base at Florida State. Whole new position, but I was like, I don't care what it, I don't care where you want me to play. If I'm going to play, sweet, put me wherever you want me to play. So I started first base, took me probably 25 games to just work my way out of the lineup. Like I was, it was me putting pressure on myself. I wanted it so bad for my team because I was so, I just love Florida state so much. And I was just like living this dream that I worked my whole life for. So I didn't know how to, I honestly didn't know how to deal with the pressure of that. And then I start failing more than I've ever failed in my life. And I didn't know how to deal with the failure because I never failed that much before. Yeah. And I was always like into motivation and stuff like that, but like motivation and like mental performance tools and skills completely different. Yeah. I had nothing to fall back on. I had no tools, no go-to. Um, Brian Kane was, we would bring Brian Kane in and he was our mental performance coach, but he was just, he would just come and go. So it's kind of easy to like, oh yeah, this is super cool. And then it leaves and it's kind of on you to keep implementing it. So I wasn't there because honestly, our upperclassmen weren't really that into it. So it was kind of like, I think this is really cool, but like, there's a little kickback there. Ah, what do I do? Whatever. So start failing. And then I was like, all right, I need Brian Kane. I was like rock bottom. Like I'll do whatever it takes. Coach, uh, tell me what to do. I'll do whatever it takes to be better. I'm really struggling right now. So I just completely bought into Brian Kane. I would work with him. Uh-huh. I would work out to him. What, what, what age are we, or what class? Freshman. So all this is your freshman year. Freshman year of college. You go in and start at first base as a freshman. Yep. And it takes you 25 games, as you said, to yep. work your way uh-huh. out of the lineup. Work my way out of the lineup. Yes, sir. And now you are in a spot where you at least know you need to get yep. into the mental performance world. And at right. this time, are they only like as a as a school or as a program, are they only bringing in Brian Kane, you know, every so often to talk mental performance? They're not teaching it in classrooms or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. So we would bring Brian Kane in. He came in in the fall and he would really come in once in the fall for like a weekend and just like, boom, here's everything. And then it was like gone. Um, So didn't really know the daily implementation of building my mental performance skills. Although what he gave was incredible and I was like so into it, right? But it wasn't until I started working with him one-on-one. I like, we could always be like, Hey, coach Lonnie, like I would really like to work with Brian Kane by my like one-on-one and she'd be like, sweet, here you go. Have fun. Go do what you got to do. Um, Cause they have a great relationship. So I would do that with him and I would, ju- I was just super bought into everything. And I became that like 10th player in a sense of like, I would come in for a pinch hit or I would go in late and play defense. And then if someone gets injured, Ellie's coming off the bench kind of thing. Um, so still I was working with Brian Kane, bought into the men's performance, kind of doing whatever it took. Cause I, I, I didn't get into it until it was rock bottom. Like always thought it was super cool, sure. but I didn't like, get in there until it was like, didn't have a choice. Um, so work with him all season long and I was getting opportunities and still not seeing the outcome of it, but we ended up going to the world series that year for the first time under the head, the head coach. And, um, that was my freshman year and I got a pinch hit in one of our games. And I just remember just being like, I have absolutely nothing to lose right now. Um, and I was just literally bought into my process, my pre-pitch routine, breathing, and I didn't see any of the external things. Like I'm 18 years old, biggest at bat of my life on the biggest stage. And I felt my most comfortable 
which is weird. And I hit a double and it was like a really long at bat, like eight pitch at bat double. And I just never looked back. That was like clicked for me. I was like, this is it. That was the game changer for me. It wasn't my physical talent. It wasn't because I wasn't working hard. None of that. It was purely mental performance based. And then um, that's kind of where my journey started. And then I just grew my relationship with Brian Kane and I'm working for him now. I'm part of his mental performance coaching team. And um, he's probably, you know, my, my go-to mentor as far as mental performance. Well, you know, when you were a freshman and you, you know, started visiting with Brian Kane, you know, like were there other players doing that? Were they not doing that? Like if you had 25 or 30 players on a softball team, how many of y'all were, were into it like you? Two. Right. Yeah. From at that point, cause it was so new. Like Brian Kane was even new in the softball world. Sure. It wasn't any. It wasn't because it was just more more so because he was new um, in the softball space. So that was probably more of the reason why my senior year, it was, you know, a lot more people like 75% of the team. All right. Well, well, you know, and, and some of that's changing the culture. Some of that is, you know, when people start seeing, results you know from the people that are doing it then all of a sudden it becomes the thing to do you know um but i can you know like i can see because it's something that we we do teach our kids and we kind of you know and sometimes you can just tell some of them are not in you know some of them's not in like some of them's not whether they're not mature enough or they don't believe enough or whatever it is you know they're not in so you continue to work with brian the rest of your time there you know Mm -hmm. what would you you know, if you went into, and you might have done this, you know, because I know you had a little stint at East Carolina. If mm-hmm. you went into a program, you know, at a new school and they did not have a mental performance program, what would you tell the person that's running the program as far as the importance of it and what it could do for a program? Mm. Yeah, I would. I would really just ask the question of, Number one, how how much do you think this sport is mental versus physical? If you deem it to be more mental than physical, which I would say at that capacity, at that level, no matter what sport you're playing, most people are going to say it's more mental than physical. Then I would ask them what percentage of the time are you spending developing and helping these kids with their mental skills? And they would say, not a lot. And that's all you need to know. I mean, you can't expect these kids to have these skills if they've never been taught it you only know what you know um so that was me it was just like a lack of knowledge it wasn't a lack of will I knew I needed it but I didn't have access to it so that's kind of where I would just go with that it's I think just everyone knows it's a must and kind of just like why are you not willing to spend the time on it because I know in the NCAA you only have x amount of hours you can spend with your team a week and people are so afraid then they think they just need to do more, more, more practice. Well, more isn't better. Better is better. So let's just be better and let's figure out where are we going wrong. And most of the time, if there's no mental performance being like touched on or no skills being taught and built, they're going to, at some capacity, it's going to be some type of 
thing that has to do with mental performance. So then it's like, well, we need to give them the how, um, and we need to help them develop that skill because it's a skill. It's not, you have it or you don't. Um, so yeah, I would just wonder why. And like, what, what is more important to spend time on? Does in the NCAA, does classroom time count as practice time? Mm-hmm. So like even the mental performance training counts as uh, is in the time allotment. Yeah. Yeah. If it's mandatory for sure. So we, we spend a ton of, we have classroom sessions, like every Wednesday we spend an hour in the classroom. And then with me, like on a daily basis for me, I, my kids schedule 30 minute slots with me and it, but it's not always mandatory. Like sure. some weeks hitting on this certain thing and you need to come in my office and we're going to hammer out our routines or our schedule or, you know, just having check-ins. But if it's me sending something out and they're just checking in on their own time, it doesn't count. Sure. No, I'm with you. Well, I, you know, I had two thoughts while you, you know, talk was, you know, number one, even if the sport is 95% physical and 5% mental, which it's not, but if it was mm-hmm. the 5%, is driving the 95%, you right. know, like it's everything, you know, like the mindset that one goes into, I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're driving a car or if you're hitting a softball, if your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you know, you start sweating and you get, you know, some messed up vision, like your performance goes down, right. Your driving goes down, your hitting goes down, you know, and that is, you know, something that, you know, we can teach kids for sure. You know what I mean? Well, what, you know, mental performance wise, what are some of the skills that you teach, you know, to the players there at uh, Florida State? Like, what are some of the yep. different things that you teach? Oh, man, you know this. <laughs> you know, in mental performance, there's a lot. There uh, there's a lot of substance in there. I do, um, you know, big things right away is like, we're coming in and we're hammering out our one, six, eight plan. So 168 hours in a week, I sit down with every single athlete and we make sure there's the non-negotiables, you know, you have lifting conditioning, you know, you have to go to class. Some people have to go to study hall. We know when we have practice. Okay. Well then we need to fill in the in-between time. Are we hitting our homework blocks? Are we eating three times a day at least? And when are we fueling? Um, are we drinking enough water and do we need to have check-ins throughout the day? When are we doing our recovery? When are we doing our rehab? And then when are we sleeping? Because sleep is number one at Florida state softball. If you don't hit 70% of your sleep score, we are tapering you back from practice. There's a lot that goes into that. We have a device, you know, that what is the device. We have whoop. Okay. Yeah. Those are great. Those are awesome. I wear yeah. a whoop. I love it. You know, and I wish I looked into, buying it for our team but for a high school program it's a little um we ain't got the money y'all got you know what i'm saying so for sure yeah no doubt no doubt it's not cheap i mean we it's not even cheap for us like sure. it's yeah it for sure but it's yeah. awesome yeah so i mean that's just a measure of like we're just protecting them from injury and then we're also just teaching them that like it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life you have to sleep i some people are like oh i can operate well actually the science says you can't it's right. actually just science um, you actually can't operate on five hours of sleep. You just don't even know how much better you would operate if you got eight hours of sleep. Amen. So we're just protecting our kids. It's for sure not punishment by any means. Sure. And it's just a learning curve. And then we go into like, 
if we're not sleeping well, sleep hygiene skills and having sleep routines and all of these things. So right away, we're hammering out just what are we doing on a daily basis? Are we taking care of what we need to take care of? Because if we don't, we know we're not going to step on the softball field and be present. So um, got to hammer that out from the beginning is just time management organization. Um, what am I doing on a daily basis? Um, well, think about then, this. If you're a, if you're listening and you're a parent or an administrator or anything else, wouldn't you feel better about having your kid in a program that, you know, one of the first things they do is sit down and do 168 hour, you know, work week calendar, like, you know, yeah. like it's unbelievable. And, and, you know, you said a mouthful in there that, you know, there's so many things that you covered that is for the betterment of that human. Not, And it's not just softball related. It's human being related, you know, like right. being able to track their sleep, being able to, you know, time. I did the I did the 168. I had a kid that was uh, that I had coached that was playing college football, is playing college football. And he was struggling a little bit. And one of the first things we did via Zoom we did a, I had him do 168 hour week and then seven days from now, let's get together and let's look at it because you say you want to be great. Well, let's, you know, so then I, okay. I'm probably 30 years removed from college. Okay. So I forgot what it was like to be a college student. When I looked at that 168 hour week, man, there were chunks of time. Mm -hmm. You could be doing something to make yourself better, you know, like that yep. two hour nap you took, you don't have to take, you know, that, that hour you spent playing the dang game, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, there's just blocks of time yep. when you write it down and look at it. And I do to this day, you know, I, on Sunday, I sit down and I make 168 hour projected week. And I put all my stuff on there for the week. And I still look at it sometimes and think, Man, there's still time that I can do more things. Mm -hmm. If I mean, I could knock out some of that Netflix time, like I could, you know. But right. you know, right. it is a way to become self-aware of what you're actually doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. My point it's was this: like, I would love to if my kid goes to school, goes to college. Like, I would wish that they were learning this in college because I didn't learn it in college. Right. You know, I went to school. There were mental performance. I don't even know that that existed. You know what I'm saying? For um, sure. So give me something else. Give me a few more things that, you know, that um, you athletes. I mean, so just, oh man, there's so many things. I mean, we're big on, we're really big on like pre-pitch routines, release routines, transition routines, pre-game routine, post-game routine, like, and understanding, um, you know, just be building self-awareness around you as a performer um, and the lens in which you view softball, the lens in which you view pressure situations, what's in front of your face and really helping people get to a place where they can, um, we talk about getting as green as you can, um, just be as green as you can um, to play softball. So developing an elite mindset's a really big one for me because it's a really long process. It is not easy. There's a lot of things we got to break down um, to get to that elite growth mindset. And we've kind of been on that journey um, for a couple of years now since I've been here. And I think elite mindset's a really big one um, and how you just, you view life, how you view whatever sport you may play. Um, and then, like I said, hitting on, you know, our in-game routines, that's more of the how-to tangible on the field in your sport um, mental performance stuff, sure. I think is huge. Um, what about like, 
you know, intensity management or, you know, like getting them to be able to come down, you know, from, you know, being overly excited um, or, you know, maybe they need to get more excited. You know what I'm saying? Do y'all cover how you can, and, you know, one I struggle with with high school kids that I struggle teaching because I think they look at me and they're like, man, this is weird is the breathing, but the mm -hmm. breathing is huge. I know it's huge. You know, it's big for me. Like I know how important it is. What do you do with breathing? You know, cause I'm sure that there's some of that going on and some of that's yep. going to be related to their, you know, their hitting routines and some stuff like that. Yep. But like, what do you do to, you know, what would you coach me up if I was having an issue getting too excited at the plate, you know, where yep. my focus was out of whack a little bit and, you know, just my energy was too high. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I would say number one, we would need to, you know, just start with the, like your lens, like why, like, why are you looking at this and getting that sympathetic? Basically sure. you're so highly regulated. What is stressing you out about being in the box? Is it a fear of failure? Is it you're, you don't want to disappoint your parents. You don't want to disappoint your coaches. You don't want to let your teammates down. Maybe there's some trauma there with a travel ball coach with a parent. Like there's so many reasons why you sure. could be getting into this state. So we got to figure out why we're getting there. And then self-awareness, knowing that you're there. Some people don't know that it's too much. Um, and then the tool, right? So like, that's our hitting routine. So deep breath on a focal point, breathing in through my, in through my nose, out through my mouth. So I can downregulate. I can lower the heart rate and I have access to more choices. So getting in the cortex is what it is basically. So you have your limbic system, that's your fight or flight, super emotional, super irrational. And then the cortex is your rational thinking, access to more choices. I can actually access lessons that I've learned and experiences that I've had when I'm in the cortex. Okay. Right. So just trying to stay there as much as you can. And we rely on breathing. If you go watch a Florida state softball team play, go watch a YouTube game. You're going to see a lot of breath taking. Um, so just understanding your breath and how to breathe. Number one, like how to putting my breath in my stomach versus in my chest, um, learning how to breathe there, why breathing is important. And then, so we'll hammer out those pre-pitch routines, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter. Um, and then we work on them. So like pitchers, we'll do shadow bullpens. We'll take away the ball They'll go do the, their bullpen with the pitching coach and then they'll come see me and it'll be five minutes just to shadow bullpen working on body language, breathing, the tempo in which I'm doing my pre-pitch routine and just working on executing the similar routine over and over and over again. Um, and then like hitters, when we do batting practice, we have a big turtle that goes over the plate to get the foul balls, right? So I'll put plates around the turtle and we'll have a release plate. So working on a release routine, when we do feel like we're getting aroused and stressed in the middle of our at-bat, we have something to go to. And that's our release routine. Um, and then we have a pre-pitch routine plate that you're going to go hit a rep of your pre-pitch routine before you go into the turtle. So just a little, a lot, always working on the routines. Um, and then just some other breathing things is like sometimes after practice, we'll do our just like um, foam roll stretch. And then we'll end with maybe a little bit of meditation. Maybe I just have them do five, six, two, eight breaths. Um, and just little doses of we're actually working on the breathing and working on the down regulation. Um, I think that meditation is just huge for people to be able to understand 
you're gonna get pulled from the present moment. And then how can I get back to the present moment via my breath and having awareness of my body? So just little doses of that go a really long way. You know, uh, after COVID, um, when we went back to school, I started noticing more kids with problems, you know, with, with mental issues, you know, whether it be anxiety, depression or whatever, you know, I just, I started having more that kind of fell into my lap, you know, with kids that I knew in class or, you know, or on teams. So from that was where I kind of jumped into the, you know, the first thing I did when I, I don't know why, I guess, uh, Randy Jackson, actually, because mm-hmm. he has hired Brian Kane before he said, man, let's go through this mental performance course of Brian Kane's. I'm like, uh, I don't think, I don't think so. Like it's, you know, it's a decent amount of money for a, mm-hmm. for a high school football coach. He mm-hmm. kept on. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. So we did the, we did his course and you know, it was, it was really good. And what it gave me was things that I could actually use mm-hmm. to help kids because, you know, like mental performance in softball is what it is, but I would assume you also have to deal with the anxiety, the trauma that they show up with that, mm-hmm. you know, you have no idea what it is. And some of those skills are the same, you know, like, and like, you know, I, I love what you said about the, uh, you know, finding out why they're getting overly excited or their blood pressure's going up. And, you know, but I think that is why I jumped into it was to be able to better understand and help kids. And then I got one of my other coaches to get into it with me. And we've kind of been trying to do more with it. And we actually have now went through a couple of sessions with some of our parents. We went through with some people in the community and it has really, it's not just young people that struggle with mental issues, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. mental issues do not, you know, it doesn't, they don't care. They don't care how old you are. I does mean, not discriminate. It does not discriminate at all. So what we have found is, you know, there is a big need in this world for more, you know. Um, and I think personally in high schools, I feel like it's something that's coming, you know, like I don't know a high school that has a mental performance coach, you know, yeah. like I think there are coaches in high school that are coaching a sport that's getting into it, but like at your level, you know, let's say division one, let's say division one softball, you know, like what percentage of them do you think actually carry and use a mental performance coach? I, I would say at some capacity, most programs have something, okay. whether it's from their sports psych department or they outsource like a sure. Brian Kane. Sure. Um, as far as someone, one human dedicated to it for the team, and that's their job, I don't know other than myself. Um, and that's kudos to Lonnie Alameda seeing the need for it and yeah. fighting for a, a position for it. Yeah. Um, so that's super cool on her end and paving the way for that. Um but I, I do think there's a there's a lot of it going on on athletic campuses, but I think it's more of like just someone for the athletic department overall. Yeah. It, and, you know, if if I had had to answer that question for myself, I would have said very few 
have a mental performance coach that's for the purpose of, you know, that sport or whatever, that it is something that university offers through various departments, you know, for people that seek out help or assistance, you know what I'm saying? Because I know a couple of the programs, you know, that I know, like, I know they don't, like, I know they don't, like there might be a, somebody on campus, there might be, you know, but there's not a, you know, there's not anybody that's intentionally teaching it weekly to the team. You know, I mean, I know that because I got friends at, you know, various universities and I know that that's not going on, but I think, you know, I think you kind of hit on it earlier when you said sometimes we coaches think that it's practice, 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 practice. And this Mm -hmm. stuff in a classroom is, you know, soft skills and we don't need it, you know, which, you know, the soft skills kind of drive the, you know, the physical skills, as you well know. So, you know, I do think it's something that's coming. I think it's something that, you know, is going to uh, become more popular as we go, or at least I hope so. You know, what would you tell somebody that, you know, somebody that's not in, that's just listening and they're not in the mental performance world at all. They might be a coach. They might be, you know, somebody that, you know, runs a program or something like, how do they get into it? Like, what would you advise for them as far as how to become acquainted with mental performance? Oh man. I think, I mean, it's a lot of ways. I've just been fortunate to have really good mentors that I've just continued to have a connection with. Um, I mean, if you have a big enough, why you'll find and do the how kind of thing. So it's just using your resources. Um, and as a coach, like I don't coaches, like you don't have to have it figured out. Like it's okay. If you know, it's important and you don't know how to implement it. You just reaching out to someone that you trust or someone that, you know, has done a good job somewhere and bringing them in and helping them help you helping them coach you. Um, I think is, is super, super cool. Coaches have a lot on their plate. And I think that's like a little bit of the feedback that I've got is just like, it allows our coaching staff to coach more um, because I mean, they were doing that before, obviously, but you know, that takes away time from them from coaching. So it's kind of like, you can't do everything. Um, You know, like you can't be a jack of all trades, honestly, like be really good at like one thing. So obviously you can always grow and you can grow your knowledge base, but you have to be willing to reach out um, and just, it's okay. If you don't have it figured out, you, you're you mind that you don't, you're not supposed to, sure. uh, that's what other people are for. So just that, but like mine, that's my, how I got in was just experience and really good mentors and doing, you know, getting into the certification and learning a lot from Brian Kane. And so just, that's kind of how my end happened. Um, but let me ask you this. Are you a goal person? Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm saying like, do you have personal goals? Um, I, I mean, yes, but not like super specific, like in five years, I want this. I am a very, like, I have core values. I have a mission and I literally just like my mission. I just want to leave this, the earth people places better than I found them through service. And I, I have lived my life of like, I have a direction of where I want to go, but I just have a really good plan for today. Um, And my plan for today aligns with where I want to go and just 
little by little, just showing up and being super present and getting after today with intention has led me right exactly where I'm supposed to be. So it's really hard for me to put myself personally in a space of like, okay, in five years, I want this in 10 years. I want, this is my goal. Like that's tough for me. If I was an athlete though, that's a little bit different. Um, I definitely go over goals with my athletes, but it really comes down to, again, like, what do you, like, what do you, how are you going to get there today? Like, cool. That's your direction. That's your sense of direction that you get after today. So part of my reason for asking was when you, you know, when you graduate, you know, and you get through playing at Florida state, you jump on as a, a student assistant coach, you know, like at that point in time, did you want to be a coach or did you want to be a mental performance coach? You know, like if you had graduated college, and sat down and, you know, wrote goals for the next five years, mm-hmm. would mental performance have been in that? Or is that a direction that just come about? Yep. So no, I, I went to, I wanted to be a coach. I literally like knew going to college, like I want to coach softball. This is what I want to do. Got into sports management. I want to coach softball. Got my, you know, I was, you know, the student assistant coach, um, got into that. And then I got my first job right out of being a student assistant coach. So, and then I get in the job and I'm like, wow, like kids, coaches, like they need this stuff. And it's what made me who I was. And it's what I, I found out that I truly loved. Um, and I think that's another reason why I've gone, I've strayed a little bit away from the, having this goal, this goal, and this goal, like, I do what I feel I want to do in this moment um, with really good intent. And then little by little, just by doing that, I've, I've just, I've just, this process has just taken over and it's brought me to what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing um, and what I love to do. And then like, who knows? Like, I don't, I don't know what my future looks like in five years. I don't know if I'm going to be doing this forever. All I know is I love my job and I'm doing exactly what I feel like I want to be doing. And I want to help this program and these kids get better. And wherever that leads me, um, it leads me. But I just know that like, I'm staying true to who I am and what I believe to be true. And that's all I can do because that's all I can control because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, definitely not guaranteed five years, 10 years down the road. So just pour into today with intent and, you know, life took its course. Win today, right? Yeah. That's what can be today. All right, let me ask you this. What do you do right now, you know, as as a young uh, professional mental performance coach, what do you do personally to sharpen the blade, you know, to sharpen your skills, you know, like what do you do to stay on top of, you know, the mental performance uh, skills? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just always so curious and I just continue to learn. I think that our staff in general is really good at like just continuing to learn. Like, yeah, we've been a top five program for since 2018 and, but we're just always finding ways to be better. Um, We, you know, we reach out to other people, like we outsource other people to help us be better coaches. Like we bring people in who are really good at something to help us be better. And so it's just that curiosity and that humility to like continue to just learn and grow in different areas. And then like just simple things of like all these daily podcasts that I listen to just little things a lot, right? Like 
different books that we're reading and, you know, just reaching out to different people that have been in the space for a while and, you know, just trying to be consistent with that. Um, Do you have, you know, do you have a couple of books or podcasts that you could throw out there that somebody could yeah. I mean, like last year, last year with our, our 20, um, 2023 team, um, we read, it takes what it takes in the fall. And every Wednesday we had a book club and we kind of went through kind of like our culture. And that's like a big, like team mental performance performance day in general. Um, and it was awesome. I love that. I love that book. This year we're reading in defense of adversity. So we're kind of building on what we learned um, and what it takes, what it takes. And we're just really deep diving into diver- um, adversity right now um, and getting gaining a little bit more knowledge on that. So those are kind of the two big ones that we've gone into. Um, Who wrote Dick- the first one? Do you remember? Uh, Trevor Moad. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yeah. I've read that. Yeah, really good book. That's one of the better books um, that I've read in a really long time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Podcast. Podcast, my daily is like, I call the success hotline. I listen to Increase Your Impact by Justin Sua. He is the mental performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, And then I listen to Brian Kane, Mental Performance Daily. Um. And then I'm a big Huberman Lab podcast girl. Yeah. They're really long, but they're just like super like scientific. It's more of like scientific. Um, so that's like a different, that's like a whole different world. Um, but super like that one as well. That's kind of my daily. He he kind of, for me, you know, like I know that he's like 1000 times smarter than me, yeah. but he like talks in words I can understand. Yeah. You no, know, he's like a common, common man genius, you know, yeah. like, I know yeah. that's weird, but I mean, that's what I, I like that one as well. Now I do get yeah. them three hour ones kind of. I know it's super hard. I will say it's like, that's why I just listen to it like a little bit every day of like the ones where I'm like, oh, this is applicable to people or sports um, versus just, sure. you know. No doubt. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, a person that, you know, is curious, which is one of my personal core values is curious like I love to read I love to listen I learned to I love to learn things you know and you know I'm learning that a lot of health issues that people run into can be prevented by you know wanting to be curious and learn something every day you know like there's there's a science to that too you know what I'm saying what about do you have you know like do you have a morning routine um an evening routine like do you have anything in that that's that's kind of set in stone yeah i'm a pretty routine gal um like like just like you i got my one six eight i hammer out every week um it's it's kind of the same for me like i wake up i get i get to the gym i sweat before i go to work um whatever that looks like right now i'm working out with the girls like i that's me creating connection with the team like i'll go in and i'll lift when the girls are lifting um so just getting my daily workout in and then I go straight into work and it's just shower, eat straight into meetings all day long, come home. And my, my PM routine is kind of the same, like eat shower prep for my day. I pack everything I need for the day before I set out my clothes. So I don't even have to 
make a decision in the morning and it's just feet hit the floor and I'm going. Um, every night I kind of do like, I do my daily calm at night because I tend to be like super wound up all day long. So when I get home after I eat and shower, I do the daily calm so I can just like chill for a second. Um, and then once I'm done, like packing everything for the day, I kind of do like foam roll stretch routine while I watch a little bit of Netflix. And then it's in the bed plan tomorrow, tonight, read and I'm out like a light at that point. hours of sleep do you normally get I really try to get eight hours of sleep like I do my best to try to get eight hours of sleep which is pretty good for me like I'm basically hitting like 95 percent of my sleep score which is like pretty good so yeah I have found that the woo band has helped make me aware of my sleep you know like I get that I get that score in the morning time and sometimes I'm you know, most of the times I'm happy, but sometimes I'm not because if you, you know, don't get your right hours or, you know, if you want to do some things you shouldn't be doing, like it, it'll, it'll tell you, you know what I'm saying? Mm, like, for sure. You know I'm saying, which would be awesome to have, you know, on kids. I mean, it would be a way to keep kids safer because if you knew, sure. I mean, that would be a yeah. fact. Yeah. We, uh, we stayed pretty healthy last year. With we implemented the seventy percent rule for the first time, um, and it was it was a really big learning curve for the girls, but they they bought in. It was hard. It wasn't. It was just bringing more awareness. Number one, because we do have the whoops on them, and we want them to understand like what what it is. And it's not. We're not tracking your life. We are just trying to pro- protect you. Um, and we just. It's no judgment. It's no anger it's just tapering you back from practice and then how are we going to be better tomorrow um so we can kind of just prevent those those injuries and it it really worked really well i want to say that had a lot to do with how healthy we stayed um let me ask you this um coach what's the softball coach's name i have trouble pronouncing that lonnie alameda what's the nickname coacha coacha Coach uh, yep, coach uh. Coach uh, okay. Well, let's go coach with coach uh. Coach uh is going into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Right. Yep. Tell me what what makes that human special. Ooh, she. I don't even. I like. It's really tough to put into words. It's like something you have to experience to like sure. truly understand. And words just absolutely don't do her justice. But she's a human. Like she treats you like a human being. She is so like person first number one like absolutely loves her athletes loves them for the people that they are um she works so hard she spends so much time just growing and trying to be better and um she's super organized she communicates really well she is an open door policy you she never there's no fear that you feel so comfortable to just be yourself and walk in her door and be like this is how I feel this is what's going on and you know that she's not going to judge you for it she's going to listen to you and she's going to help you be better um and she just creates this really cool environment for kids to develop a really cool mindset for life and for sports um and and that's really something I'm really big on is like your environment that you're creating for yourself um, because it has your environment basically waters your mindset. Your mindset creates your perspective. Your perspective creates your reality. So she creates this really cool environment that allows females to leave the program better people for whatever community they enter. And 
she never wavers from like herself. She's, she wants to win games. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what she's in it for. She's super competitive. She's one of the most competitive people I know, but we don't, we, we just try to make better people because better people make better Seminoles, better Seminoles win softball games. So we start with the people. Sure. And she's willing to spend time on leadership, on culture, on mental performance, on, you know, being together as a team, creating a family environment. Um, and through that, she's created this buy-in and this like love for what we're doing, this love for Florida State, this love for Florida State softball. And when you have love and you have buy-in and you have culture, when things get hard, because things are going to get really hard, the Seminoles get stronger where other people fall apart. Sure. Um, and I think that's what makes us so successful once we get to the World Series. I mean, getting the World Series is really hard, but we've won a lot of games there. And I think that's a big part of the reason why. No doubt about it. Not to mention the ridiculous amounts of video that she watches. And she's just a really good softball coach, too. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I know well, I didn't now, even talk about the softball coach that she is, but she's really good at her job. Yes, no, I, obviously, you know, but I love the fact that, you know, she's, you know, she goes through the person, you know, like it's about the human. All right, what about this? You know, like, and I think I know the answer, you know, like her handling adversity, you know, when it don't go her way, when it don't go y'all's way, when it don't, you know, like, what is she like, you know, at that point in time? just what did we learn like what are we learning what did, what do we you know it's it's always learning like we didn't get what we wanted we didn't win the game why like where we're gonna go back and we're gonna watch film and we're gonna yeah. talk about like where we went wrong and it's just always growing it's just growth it's not you did something wrong it's not you failed it's not the end of the world she's super composed um and it's just what did we learn what are we gonna learn from that and how are we gonna be better tomorrow that's Pretty awesome simple. You know, and what's also, you know, is, you know, very good for you is the choice you made to go to Florida State because yeah. everybody don't have a softball coach like that. You know, nope. like they just don't, you know, I mean, my my high my, my mentor, you know, as far as in the high school football world, like most people didn't have one like I had, you know, like I was lucky, you know, I had the one of the greatest coaches in the state of Mississippi, you know, so. You know, I mean, you wish everybody would get that opportunity, but, you know, they really don't. All right, yeah. let me ask you this. If somebody wanted to um, follow you, you know, and learn more about you, how do they do that? Yeah, um, you can follow me. I mean, Instagram is at Coach L. Cooper. So E-L, Coach E-L Cooper. Um, I Same thing on Twitter. I'm not, I'm pretty bad at social media as far as putting information out there. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, okay. It's just not, I don't know. I'm just like, so in the thick of like, do my job. No, um, you're, you're in the game, you know, yeah, like you are, I'm really... you're in the game and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to say yeah. Tom Brady doesn't, you know, he does a little bit now, but when Tom Brady played football, there wasn't no tweeting going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like you can't, you can't be great and do that, do that all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, it's like that, like people, like they reach out to me all the time and I just hit me in the DMS. Um, and well, if you, yeah, we'll go. I, I actually do my own, 
Um, I'm allowed to do my, so like I said, I work with Brian Kane and then I have my own little mince performance side business where I do a lot of one-on-one coaching with all different kinds of athletes, not even athletes, just human beings sure. in general. But, well, know, how would, how would one find you for that? If that's something they wanted to, you know, reach out and talk to you about. Yeah. I would just, just for the purpose of this, just DM me. Um, I'm really yeah. good about checking my DMS. I'll get yeah. back to you as soon as I can. Um, but it's not like it's going to like just disappear. Sure. Well, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time. You know, I'm so appreciative that, you know, I know you're busy and I know you're awesome and I appreciate you doing this. I'm going to ask one more question before we get off. What makes you happy? What makes me happy? A lot of things make me happy. Um, I love seeing the people I help grow. Like, I think that's what I really actually like about being with a team every single day is sometimes you don't see it in the moment or like if I'm on zoom with a one-on-one, like I don't see it all the time. They can tell me stories, but when I see it in action and it can be the smallest thing, it is like everything that's really hard. And when you're questioning, like, what am I doing? Am I doing it right? Does, is this even getting in there? It like, makes it all worth it. And then just being around really cool people. Sure. That's awesome. Well, Ellie, I appreciate you being on here. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I learned a lot myself and, and, you know, also I love the mental performance world. I think it's awesome for kids. I think it's something that we all need, you know, I mean, it's helped me tremendously myself. So you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the time to be on here and um, everybody that has taken the opportunity to listen. I hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, adios amigos. Throw you caps are lightweight, one size fits all football helmet covers for practice. They reduce 20 to 33% of the impact depending on the speed and the location. Great for the repetitive sub-concussive blows that add up throughout the week. Also great for body blows used by Clemson, Penn State, Washington, Oklahoma, 150 other colleges, and about 2,000 high schools across the country. Also protect that helmet. If your helmets are getting beat up at the end of the year, Guardian Caps can help protect that helmet investment.